it's practice, it's time, it's discipline, you can do it. We've all fallen off the wagon, we've all fallen off the horse, we've all gone bankrupt. And they don't see that. And when I started opening up about that, you know, because there's such a stigma around being an alcoholic, there's such a stigma about losing a business. There's a stigma about having a failed marriage, which by the way, I've got, you know, and when, it, when I opened up about that, you just kind of become bulletproof. There's nothing to take you down because it's all out there in public and people respond better to you. And I wasn't trying to be a coach. I wasn't trying to be a consultant. I wasn't trying to do any of that. I was just trying to open up and let business owners know that, hey, it's okay to have failed. Um, it's okay to have had alcohol problems. Hey, if you've still got them, we can help you get past that. You know, it's okay to have been to jail. What you did mattered then. It doesn't matter now. You know, let's take the next steps. And that's where it began. And dude, it's just, it's just resonated so much with people. Samuel, you're a musician, real estate agent, entrepreneur, host of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. Much, much more, man. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Hey, man. Thank you for having me, Eric. This has been uh, this has been too long coming, bro. Yeah, for sure, dude. <laughs> how many how many times we reschedule this one? I know, right? It is. I, I feel like it was too many for sure, man. I'm glad that we finally got to connect. You know, with my shows, I like to kind of go back to the beginning, kind of set the tone there. Like, where did you grow up? In in what was childhood like for you? Oh, dude, it was so good. Um, we were poor, and I didn't know it. I had okay. no clue. Um, yeah. I grew up in a, in a tiny little village in northern England, probably about 150 people there. And, um, you know, my, my mom stayed home with the kids and my dad was a school teacher and it was four of us. Um, you know, we grew all our own food in the garden. Um, you know, they, they'd go to the farmer and get some some chickens and pluck the, pluck the chickens, pluck the pheasants. I mean, it was like, I didn't realize I was, I was poor until we got to high school. My, my childhood was, was that good. I mean, wow. you know, everything was hand-me-down clothes, hand-me-down bikes, hand-me-down everything, but yeah. it was great. I, I wish I could give it to my kids, that, that kind of childhood. Man. And uh, yeah, really, really blessed. And, and then how did you get into music? Because I, I mean, I assume you probably started <laughs> early, right? Like, when did you start playing yes. music and, and who was that big yeah. musical influence for you? So, so we, we were so broke, uh, we would, uh, my dad would, uh, he would, he would fix cars uh, on the weekends for, for extra money and he, he would sell cars and stuff like that. And uh, somebody part exchanged a car for a drum set um, because they were a broke musician and needed a car. So uh, you know, my, my dad played accordion in bands and then he showed up with his drum set when I was like six years old. And my favorite thing to do was get little pieces of orange and smash them between the hi-hat on my foot. Um, so, <laughs> awesome. um, you know, I've been, I've been around music since, since I was just a little kid and, uh, you know, music was free entertainment. So for the sake of a piano that somebody was throwing away, uh, that my dad hauled out of a, a, a dumpster, essentially, um, we had a, a piano at the house, we had a drum set at the house and you can, you can always pick out a tune on a piano. So it was our entertainment. You know, we, we only had one TV, um, we weren't like you know super rich or anything so my entertainment was books or pianos and um you know my my first musical influences were, were all of my, my older sister's influences like uh like like del shannon and the uh, the 50s and 60s kind of crooners and stuff yeah and then um you know i got over that pretty quickly and discovered um queen and let's <laughs> <laughs> nice. right uh, yeah and, and that led to uh that led to obviously you know i would uh I, I got chosen to go to uh, a music program uh, on weekends when I was when I was 12 years old. 
And of course, that that, that totally uh, ruined it for me because everybody was like, oh, you're so lucky you get to go to a music program. And I'm like, what the hell? I got to go to school on the weekends too. Um, right. So every weekend through high school, um, I went to this music center and um, I ended up uh, 19 years old with uh, a band in Dallas. They, uh, it was a long story how I got there, but they, uh, they, they got me out to Dallas and I, I started working and, and touring with a band at 19. And um, I liked America so much uh, and I liked the girl I was seeing so much that uh, a couple of years later, I, uh, I ended up emigrating and, and here I am. You know, that's, that's kind of how I got to, uh, got to America. It was all music based. From, uh, from from just growing up around having a drum set around having a piano around and just learning to play dude that is unbelievable i was gonna ask you like how did you come to the u.s and and you know when yeah. did you do that man so that's <laughs> yeah, I, was a, I was a kid dude i plan on being here like for six to nine months um you know when we talked to the record company the, the goal was you know six month tour uh see how it goes maybe extend it out a little bit and um you know it ended up like i just i i loved it so much the, the thing between England and America, and I really don't wish to be detrimental to my adopted country because I do love it here. Yeah. Um, the, the big thing that, that, that um, jumped out to me between England and America was um, in England, everybody at the time had a side hustle. You know, that wasn't uncommon. Everybody was doing a little bit extra. Everybody did a bit. And in America, when I got here as a 19-year-old kid that wasn't afraid to work, there was just money just literally laying on the street. You could, If you were willing to work, you could get paid and you could make money. And, you know, I didn't have uh, any college education. Uh, there's a long story of how I got there, but I ended up in oil and gas uh, law. And um, my first year, I broke 100000 my company i was 27 years old and then that was it i was trapped here because i was willing to work i wanted to put the effort in i couldn't go home with no college degree and make a hundred thousand pounds in a year because so many people already have a side hustle so many other people are doing other stuff whereas again not to be detrimental to to, to my adopted country i do absolutely love it here yeah the, uh, the opportunity in this country is just laying on the ground man what are you going to do to pick it up? There's so much more opportunity here than uh, than in Europe. So I, I ended up staying. It wasn't well not planned. I kind of feel bad for my parents. You know, they raised me till nineteen, and I just fuck off over over to America and that's that. You know, I felt a little bad. <laughs> they come and visit. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. What do you do? It's unbelievable, man. And it, like, I worked in the music business for a little bit. I worked for Universal Records back in oh, two thousand and three. And I don't know how to play anything, but I was very interested in the kind of the, the producer side and the sales side and, and the marketing side of it. And so I was literally working at a CD store when they had them called FYE. And this guy walked in, he worked for Universal Records. And I jokingly said like, hey man, how do I get your job? And he's like, oh, you got to go intern with these guys. And, and then so like I went and I had to pay for a college internship which I never went to. I just paid for it, took my receipt to Universal Records and said, hey, I'm interested in coming and interning with you. <laughs> and then I got in and I got no pay for six months, man. I just showed up every day, stuffing posters and things and then sending them out, man. And then after six months, they're like, okay, we'll finally start paying you. So I got paid, man. And then I was there for about a year and got laid off, but right around the Napster days, man. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Dude, just killed I, it. Dude, I, think yeah. re- I think the reason that the guys like you and I succeed is because nobody told us we can't nobody yeah. told you you couldn't go work in the music industry you just went and did it you know yeah. and uh, that's uh, that's a lesson I, I like to take away is that um, like you can do anything just don't listen to anybody else just go do it make it happen yep 
Yeah. So how did you make the transition then to real estate? Cause that's what you're doing now. And how is everything going right now? I mean, I, I know up here where I'm at in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, it's nuts. Like we can't even afford a house up here because all these out-of-staters, Californians, especially are coming up here and they're jacking our price up. They're paying cash for all the houses. Right. Yep. And my buddy who did real estate or does real estate, he said 80% of his clients in 2020 were from out of state. Like, how's that going for you down there? Same. Same. It's, it's so, it's so strange. It's, it's not like any market I've worked in yeah. uh, before. And you know, I've been involved in real estate. I bought my first flip house when I was 24. Uh, again, underdog story man i, I was painting houses uh getting a, a little job, a side side jobs to get by picking up the opportunity was laying on the ground that i could do the skill sets i had and um, there was an old guy who'd come on the infomercials late at night his name was carlton sheets and he had this no money down real estate course and um, i called up there to get it and i think it was like a thousand dollars and i couldn't afford that and uh, i kind of gave up and one day I was at Goodwill and this this course was brand new in the, in the plastic wrap on the shelf of Goodwill for ten dollars. So um, about three months later, I bought my first house with no money down, no clue what I was doing. Um, I'm so lucky I didn't lose my shirt. I had a little, I had a fucking course. I had some worksheets. I had to go to Walmart to buy like a set player because I didn't own a set player. Uh, it was that out of date, and it, somehow it worked, dude. And I, I, that that was kind of how I got into real estate. Um, you know, my career. Um, a few years of flipping houses um, and uh, you're working with bands. I mean, I was, I was still well into music till my late 20s. Um, okay. But, um, you know, real estate kind of started to take over in my mid-20s and I ended up going into title, uh, which is the, uh, it's the transactional paperwork behind the real estate. It's the legal paperwork gotcha. and figuring out the ownership. And uh, I got certified in oil and gas title and started traveling around Texas uh, taking properties essentially from like prospect all the way through the production in the oil and gas field. And, you know, I don't know what the oil and gas is like up there, if, if there really is much of a market for it where you're at, but it's very cyclical. Uh, it's oil and gas, you know, it's very dependent on administrations, who's in power, who's doing what, you know, like for, for example, currently, you know, Biden and that pipeline and all those layoffs, the, the gas prices start to move. So I wanted something a little bit more, uh, a bit more stable. And I Googled how to make money online in 2008 and that led me down the rabbit hole of affiliate marketing internet marketing and all that stuff and uh, yeah we can talk about that later if you want but um i ended up in 2017 being hired by a real estate company to teach their agents marketing and um i saw such a massive skills gap i'm like these guys don't we're, we're not even ready to talk about tracking pixels we're not even ready to talk about email lists. They have no concept of a landing page, nothing. And I'm like, wow. Um, you know, at that point, I had about 11, 12 years active in oil and gas law, which is, is extremely similar to real estate law. Uh, they're, they're based out of the same vein. And it just, it made sense for me to, uh, to go get a license. And my, my first year in real estate sales, I hit nearly, very nearly quarter million dollars in uh, commission income. And wow. so I was yeah, and it just, it, it was, it was like, it, it was, it, it was natural uh, to do it. So um, that's how I got into real estate. And, you know, now my, my journey is a little bit different because I set out with a, a goal in real estate of building, you know, a, a 40 or a 58 agent brokerage. And uh, in 2019, I tried that. I got to, uh, I got to six agents. I had 19 listings uh, personally, and it just, I didn't like it. Didn't enjoy it. Um, you know, it, it was just too much, um, too much stress for, for not enough money. So now, now I do, do things slightly differently. 
I focus more on, uh, I still do residential real estate, um, you know, organically, I'll yeah. probably close 20 to 25 deals this year organically without okay. really doing anything except hanging out on Facebook. Um, awesome. I mean, it's, it's not really my focus, but I've yeah. got a reputation. People know that's what I do. I don't take house listings anymore. I don't solicit listings. If somebody comes to me and says, will you sell my house? Absolutely. Of course I will. No problem. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for, for the amount of time you put in versus the amount of money you put in versus the amount you get out, um, listings, uh, you make about 60% of the money that you do when you're working with buyers. You know, when you're working with buyers, you have zero property marketing costs, you've no photography, no video, you've got nothing. Um, you just sit with the buyers, drink coffee, you guide them through the process. And the, uh, the amount of time with a buyer is, is generally now I've got it, you know, I've, I've got front end staff, I've got back end staff. So my, my amount of time with a buyer is eight to 10 hours for an average of $7,000 commission. So I can make between six, seven, eight hundred dollars an hour when I'm face to face with these guys. And you know, that that's that's really all I want. It's it's just a it's a perfect stress free life. I don't see building a fifty Asian brokerage as a priority anymore. It's right. it's funny how that's changed, you know. Because I, I got the mentality that I want to get out in front of everything, smash everybody and beat all these records and be the best. But you know, what's best for me is drinking coffee with clients and, and podcasting and you know, spending time with my kids, the the real quality of life, you know. So it's, it's strange how it's changed. Yeah. I mean, priorities change for sure, man, over the years. And same for me, man. Like, you know, that was, that was kind of how it was. Like I, I was, I had this dream of being in the music business and that kept going away. And I was like, all right, well, Hey, <laughs> now it's time to leave a different legacy for my kids, man. You know, we'll get into it later on, on your show, but like, you know, obviously I came from that crazy broken home and I, you know, dude, I read your story, man. I, I, I do follow you online. You've got a, you've got a crazy history. And to be where you are right now, it's just a, a tremendous fucking accomplishment, man. Well, no doubt. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely, dude. You know, in kind of staying with just with real estate, one other question that I, I love to ask is like, like I said, up here, the prices are crazy. And being in real estate, do you see this as like a bubble and will it burst at all? Or is this just going to keep going up for a while? Yeah. <laughs> this is a tricky one because yeah. this isn't a, this isn't a, um, this isn't being caused by, economics um it's being caused by migration for the most part it's being caused by government policies forced yeah. migration um so that is a that is a tricky one in open markets where people are um are being treated much more as individuals and uh, businesses are being allowed to operate freely uh, i i see those guys just booming and not stopping this again it's, it's not being driven by uh, economic factors as much as it's being driven by social factors and right. people leaving states and coming to states so as as we see in massive demand and massive growth in some states we must also be seeing massive withdrawals in other states you look at the number of moving trucks that are coming out of california and moving trucks that are coming out of new york their prices certainly aren't going up you know right. there's, there's no real estate boom going on over there so yeah, it's not like a nationwide real estate boom or we'll see a, a nationwide recession. I don't think. I think this is very much uh, geographically dependent on the kind of socioeconomic situation that we're seeing with COVID more than anything. So, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see a massive bust, mate. I don't. I think that I think that states are gonna start going out of fashion. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it just. How else can it play out, dude? I can't yeah. go to work in California. I can't go to a restaurant in New York, but like in Texas is wide open. Florida is wide open. What the hell am I doing? Paying state income tax over here in California where I can not do any work. I mean, it's, 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 it's absolutely insane. 
I, yeah. I, I, you couldn't have made this up 18 months ago and have anybody believe you. They'd have been like, no, you're crazy. <laughs> totally. Um, but yeah, the, the freer states, I, I don't like you know, freer, whatever words you want to use. Yeah. Um, the states that are open for business and the states that are kind of standing up to the, the federal guidelines that are coming out all that stuff, the states that are saying, you know what, it's our right, it's our responsibility, we'll manage this. Yep. Those guys are the ones that are going to have the economic booms, you know? And then they yep. look at the tax, they look at the tax deficit, and they go, you know what, fuck it, we're going to legalize marijuana as well. I mean, could you imagine that? Right. The Texas and Florida, full-on legal weed states, plus the exodus from the other state. I mean, the economy is going to go nowhere but up out here. I, yep. don't, see, I don't see a recession coming. You know? I think... Um, uh, I was I was talking to one, I forget who it was last uh, last month. He's up in the, the DFW area. He's a, a mortgage guy. So he had over four hundred thousand new people move to the Dallas Fort Worth area in the last year. I uh, like the infrastructure can't keep up. It's grown so fast. Wow. Um, to put it in perspective, um, I've been selling real estate nearly four years now, and uh, in four years I sold one new house. And the last six houses I've sold since January, five of them have been new houses. Okay. There's, there's no inventory kicking about. Yeah. Um, I think Greater Austin has fewer than 600 houses on the market total. Yikes. Like, greater Austin, like all of Austin, Pflugerville, yeah. like Round Rock, all of it. It's, it's unbelievable. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I don't think Texas is going anywhere but up. Yeah. It's like up here, man. We're wide open too. We're kind of like, what the hell is COVID? I mean, we're just like, no one wears masks. Like, you know, there's one place up here that makes you wear a mask and it's freaking Costco, which they're based out of Seattle, which is the freaking, you know, liberal area, like crazy. And so they're the only ones in town that are making everybody wear masks. But up here, we're seeing this, you know, massive growth. Like, like I said, you know, 80% of people coming into town are, are from out of state, right? It's, and I think last I checked, there was like 320 listings in Coeur d'Alene where I'm at right now. Uh, yeah. available which is it's nuts and we're a smaller town right i think when i moved here we we're probably we we're at forty five thousand maybe population yeah. but that's yeah. crazy growth right now and uh but i wanted to shift over to your podcast because i love your podcast man it's yeah, a small sure. business podcast and you talk about the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur man and, and people need to be listening to this show if you if, if you're listening to this show right now you need to go check out this small business surgeon yeah, show it's awesome. Why did you decide to start this? I mean, you kind of talked earlier, like you had a second podcast yeah. and you kind of relaunched, right? Yeah, well, I've been podcasting for about three and a half years, but it was always something we did with with a couple of my buddies that was just for a bit of fun. Yeah, uh, we do it every Sunday night. Uh, we smoke a cigar and just just recap the week, and then we bring in a business owner and talk about business. So we bring in actually an MMA fighter and we talk about MMA because you know I, I got punched in the face a few times myself in the case. You know, um, <laughs> that's awesome. But it, it's um, when when in in December uh, I linked up with uh, Zach Babcock that some of you probably know by now. Yep. And we, we sat down and I looked, you know, how can I build a podcast that, that really monetizes what I do, but more importantly than that, reflects my core values uh, and helps me give back and put back into the, uh, into the community. And what had happened uh, through no, no intent of mine whatsoever, I um, was working with one of the coaches over at Apex. Uh, they told me, you know, go ahead and set up a Facebook group something you're passionate about and let's use that group to build referrals in real estate. Okay. Well, I love small business, dude. I've built two seven figure companies, right? The first one I, uh, I built, it was a car dealership. Um, you know, we'd end up right around 25, 
cost a month, give or take 20, 30, somewhere in there. And, you know, I couldn't get it above about 5% ROI, which meant like a shitload of work and not much money in my pocket. Yeah. And so, you know, I sold that and I put my money, you know, I kept working on online marketing and I ended up owning a, a supplement brand. And that made so much money so quickly. Um, I was a very poor steward of that. I did not have coaches. I did not have an accountability system. I didn't have anything going on. And, you know, without getting too much into the, into the weeds with this, you know, I was spending whatever I liked and drinking whatever I liked. And um, it, it all ended up spiraling out of control. And uh, I ended up losing that business. And along with all the money I'd saved from it, along with even more than that, and a couple of lawsuits down the line for, for some other stuff too. And it, it was bad, but it was, it was alcohol-based. I mean, yeah. the, the, there's a reason that lesson was there. And so I love to talk about small business. And um, I set up a, a business owners group purely so I could get in there, I could help them with some marketing stuff, just, just light stuff, super easy. Hey, here's a traffic funnel, whatever, here's how this works. And um, you know, be the resource, the go-to resource for real estate. That was the goal of the business. And um, the, the small business certain podcast wasn't even a, a thought. But as these business owners came to me as a leader and they would tell me their problems and they would ask for advice, I noticed that you know, you know 10% of owning a business is the operations. It's the skill set. It's you know 10% of owning a painting company is being a painter. 10% of owning a legal company is being an attorney. The other 90% is all the same everybody has got the same problems and i realized that by having had two businesses that were quite large and having made a lot of money and also lost a lot of money and having been an alcoholic and now sober for almost four years not quite but getting there congrats um, man that's awesome thanks buddy um if you're if you're wondering how to do it one day at a time that's how i did it just one freaking day at a time and yeah, sometimes you think life might be a little more fun with it with, uh, with a little bit of alcohol, but uh, it's uh, it's I've drank enough for three lifetimes. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so, so the, the goal is in, in talking to business owners. Um, you know, when you got a chamber of commerce kind of deal, mm-hmm. everybody's wearing the suit. Everybody's kind of oh, I'm a little bit better than you. And then when you've got the association of realtors, no disrespect to these guys, they're all trying to put their best foot forward and show you know a little success here, but. It's all kind of, um, I'm better than you, I'm a little more successful than you. you know, whereas when you really boil down to it, like there was nowhere locally for people to go and say, man, I fucked up, I'm a mess, I'm in trouble, what do I do? How can I help? Because they get around other business owners, all those other business owners are posturing and saying, I'm, I'm successful. Whereas, you know, I learned this when I got around the Apex group uh, in Dallas is that you know every single business owner that I've come across and I've worked with and I've talked to, they've all had some kind of problem. They've all had they've all been to jail or they've all been alcoholics or they've all had drug problems or they've all had abusive relationships in their past. They most of them have all lost a business or two businesses. Most of them have gone bankrupt. And all the stuff you never hear. So when I talk to business owners and they think they're out there alone and they're struggling to get through this. I'm like, dude, you are not alone. Let's reach out to this guy. Let's reach out to this guy and move them into a network and you work with them. And they realize that everybody they perceive as more successful than them has fought the same battles. And we're all on the same side. You know, a lot of people look up to me and like, oh my God, you're doing so well. You're so successful. I'm like, no, it's not that at all. It's practice. It's time. It's discipline. You can do it. We've all fallen off the wagon. We've all fallen off the horse. We've all gone bankrupt. And they don't see that. 
And right. when I started opening up about that, you know, because there's such a stigma around being an alcoholic, there's such a stigma about losing a business. There's a stigma about having a failed marriage, which, by the way, I've got. You know, and when, it, when I opened up about that, you, just, you kind of become bulletproof. There's nothing can take you down because it's all out there in public. And people respond better to you. And I wasn't trying to be a coach. I wasn't trying to be a consultant. I wasn't trying to do any of that. I was just trying to open up and let business owners know that, hey, it's okay to have failed. Um, it's okay to have had alcohol problems. Hey, if you've still got them, we can help you get past that. You know, it's okay to have been to jail. What you did mattered then. It doesn't matter now. You know, let's take the next steps. And that's where it began. And dude, it's just it's just resonated so much with people. Um, you know, we've, we've published 15 episodes now. I've got about 25 of them recorded. Obviously, we, we go a little bit further out ahead. Yeah. And I just, I have people approaching me now to be on the show. I have people that I respect, that I look up to, that reaching out to me and say, hey, can, can I get on my show, your show? Can I tell my story? And, um, dude, it was, it was a complete accident that was born by wanting to give back to a, a group of people with a shared interest. That was all it was. Come on, man. I'm a big <laughs> proponent in, in understanding that our past does not define our future. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, I'm 41 now. I didn't share my story publicly until I was 39. I held into that crap and I was like, dude, my past, this is what, this is just life. I, I can't make any changes. I, I went with that and it's going to sit on my shoulders, man. But then once at 39, I was like, boom, I screw this. It's a new, you know, new day, man. Starting to get rid of that, dude. Um, I, sorry, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say, man, um, I know we're coming up on time. So I want to make sure that we, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. keeping you on time. And I apologize. We'll probably go over just a couple minutes over. I would love to know, like, what's your definition of success? Oh, wow. That's so cool. Um, it's whatever you want it to be, man. Yeah. It really is. So I'm, I'm very much a... Uh, like I said earlier, like I want to go get everything and be like the best and the best and the best and the best. And I, I, I was sitting outside my office uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, I post pictures from there every morning talking about what I'm doing and what I'm grateful for. And I'm like, right, what's next? And I have a business plan uh, for, for this year, both personally uh, for me and for the companies that I own as well. Uh, there's a couple of new company launches coming up uh, that, that I, I built them last year and we were just waiting for funding from some real estate deals that are fixing and closed. Everything's looking good. I'm like, well, what's next? And I'm like, well, maybe nothing. Maybe you just keep doing what you're doing because success now is me sitting at 8.30 in the morning with a client, having a coffee, mapping out, their latest sales video. And then it's sitting with a client at 9.30, helping them rework the, the menu for their restaurant, and make sure the graphic design's right, make sure everything looks right. Dude, maybe success is, you know, sitting around a table with a group of guys, helping one of them overcome his drinking, you know? And once you get to the point where the, the, the bills are okay, and the debit card's okay, and the kids are okay, the rent's okay, I think that success is is much different now that I feel it and that I I have it in my hands than what I had envisioned. And yes, 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 there's going to be a point where I go down to the car dealership and I buy a a stupid car here in the next couple of years. Yeah, sure (laughs) there is. Yeah. But for me, success is now much more, it's much more emotionally attached to the things that I'm doing. And it's, it's essentially, it's getting to do what, the fuck I want whenever I want to do it and all I want to do is work with business owners work with um, real estate clients and just spread joy around man make the world a little better place and I consider that 
to be, you know, what I want it to be. And I, I know it's not a financial goal. It's not a, a vehicle goal. It's not any kind of goal other than being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, and uh, make a difference in people's lives. Freedom, man. Yeah. Freedom. Yeah. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, so, I say that. <laughs> you know, I'm a success. That's a Ferrari, man. I've had two Ferraris. Yeah. Dude, that's yes. so funny. You know, I'm a big music guy, so I love to ask the question. And you being in the music because I'm really curious about this. Like, well, who's a favorite band for you, or do you have a favorite type of music you like to listen to? No, um, dude, professional working musician. So I have, I could probably sit in on 800 to a thousand songs right now, just like that. Yeah. Um, as a kid, it was Queen. Um, okay. I used to love. Panning my stereo left, right with Queen. Uh, the stuff you can hear if you cut if you cut Freddie Mercury's channel out, you cut those lead vocals out. The stuff going on in the background. Queen is like it's a good novel. Um, yeah. And every time you read a good novel, you, you you read you find something new in the book. Yeah, Queen's like that. You, I can't listen to a Queen song still and not hear something new or hear a new angle on it and stuff. And uh, so it it would have to be all time favorite band Queen. However. Boy, this is hundreds and hundreds of, of, of bands and songs. And I've, I've been being a musician. I mean, I play a piano bar now, which okay. is, um, I do a couple of songs on piano, but I'm mainly on the drums, and it's 100% request. And the fact that, you know, we can just literally launch into any of hundreds of songs, I, I, I love it all. The Blues Brothers, you know, favorite movie right there, all the yeah. way through. I mean, just, just so much stuff, man. I, I, you can't pick a favorite. Right. Um, if you looked at my Spotify playlist, <laughs> there's, there, there's there's everything from gangster rap to Johnny Cash to, to British rock hits of the 90s. I mean, it's nice. just all over the place, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Samuel, this is such an honor to have you on my show, man. You are a freaking world changer, bro. And I'm excited to see what you got going on with your podcast in 2021. It's going to be just huge blessings on you and your family, man. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. I appreciate it. Eric, the pleasure has been mine, mate. And uh, yeah, for your listeners that want to check it out, you can catch me on uh, Facebook or Instagram at Small Business Surgeon. And of course, over on uh, Apple and Spotify by the same name. Eric, man, it's been an absolute pleasure, sir. Thank you for having me on. What's going on? Thank you so much for watching the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, I just wanted to do a quick introduction. If you've not seen my show or you don't know the services that I offer, I wanted to drop them to you right now. One, I do voiceover work. So if you're looking for a voiceover person to cover your motivational videos, or maybe it's Kickstarter videos or whatever it is, let me know. I'm more than happy to help you out there. I also work with brands on brand and product videos. So they'll send me their products to do reviews or box openings. Let me know. I'd love to work with you on your product as well and hope you get that product out there. I also love to be able to share my story. So if I can make an impact on one person at your next speaking engagement, let me know. I love to talk about my story. I love to talk about how our past does not define our future and morning routines and being consistent, how to be around those successful people that are just going to lift you up. Let's chat about having me speak at your next event. Let's make it happen. Again, thank you so much for checking out this show. Check out ericgallonmedia.com. Really appreciate your time. Have an awesome day.